you ever remember a time where you were somewhere where there were definitely favourites? So who talked about a time when they were at school? Anyone? Yeah. Teachers had favourites. Yeah. Um, it's a horrible experience knowing that you are somewhere where some people are in and some people are out, isn't it? It's just, it's just not very pleasant. And actually, it can have quite a profound effect on you, can't it? When you feel like you're the one who is on the outside. You're not the one who's on the inside. Favorites and those that are favored. There's something really powerful about people being told that they are the ones who are out, not in. There's something profoundly powerful about people being told that they are out and not in. I want to show you, uh, it's a really short um, video, it's about a minute long, and there's a couple of swear words in it, okay? Shocking, I know, none of us have ever heard swearing, have we? Anyway, you're going to hear it today. Um, but I think, uh, as you watch this little uh, film, um, I think you'll see the impact of what it means to be told that you're out. I hate the homeless. I don't feel sorry for you. If you want change, let me throw it at you as hard as I can at your, at, dirty, at your dirty face. I hate when it gets cold out because then all the homeless people get on the bus. I wonder if homeless people go to heaven. Maybe if homeless people took care of themselves, looked pretty, we wouldn't, we would want to help them. But I don't help yellow teeth. Well. Never understand why homeless people smell of piss when you can literally piss anywhere. I was enjoying a latte when I saw a hobo girl across the street. I almost vomited. Get back on your side of the bridge, no one likes you. Are you seeing homeless people standing in the cold, shivering. Be glad when the light turns green. Well, that'll make it go away, won't it? If homeless is where the heart is, then are homeless people heartless? Hmm. Wow. Far from it. Imagine being told you're out. So powerful, isn't it? And so the question for me is that when I was watching that video is what does it do to a person, really do to a person, to be told you're out? And this is what we think of you. But also, what does it do to a person to be thinking that they're the one that's in? What does it do to us as human beings when we receive those uh, messages? So imagine this, though. So Jesus is a uh, first century Palestinian Jew. 
And within the context of him standing up to give the Sermon on the Mount, um, you need to know that within that context, society said that if you were poor, you were out. Just like the experience of these guys on this film. But also, religion perpetuated it. So religion said, the Jewish religion, the faith, the, the one that was upheld by the priests and the Pharisees, basically said, if you're poor, that is evidence of the lack of favor of God. You're out. God's kingdom isn't for you. You're out. Your poverty is evidence your poverty in spirit, it was a, oh, well, I'll explain it in a minute why that is said in this particular version. But the, your poverty is evidence of you being unacceptable to God. It's like some people had their passport to God's kingdom, which was tagged on with wealth, and others just didn't. So the rich were in. And they were the favored and the favorites. They were the rich in spirit. The rich were in, the wealthy were in, they were the rich in spirit. Wealth equals a sign of God's blessing. Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> I don't know how many of you ever switch on certain TV channels that we have over here where you can see people expressing views that blessing equals wealth uh, from God. Wealth back then was seen as a sign of blessing and approval from God. And the system was twisted to perpetuate that belief. And then Jesus kind of does something completely and utterly different. He says something utterly, utterly different. So as was uh, what all rabbis did, they would teach in the moment the things that were around them, the things that they were seeing. And Jesus, it says in the text, doesn't it? Jesus, when he saw the crowds, and I bet through his head, at that moment he was like, this is it. Here they are. Look at the mess of them. They're wonderful. They're all mixed up. This is a crazy bunch of people that I've got following me. Look at them. There's the poor. There's the lonely. There's the broken. There's the lost. There's those people that are ill. There's those people that think they are on the outside. And it says, when Jesus saw them, he speaks to them. And the first thing he said to them is, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is the complete reversal of everything they had ever known. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are you who thought you had no right to the kingdom of God. Remember the poor were viewed as, they were viewed as beyond God's desire. And Jesus begins by saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Do you remember in Luke chapter 4 when he stands, uh, he stands up to speak and he announces what he's all about. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me to do what? To preach good news to the poor. Jesus is flipping the whole system upside down right from the very beginning. And to be blessed, Jesus is saying to those people who are listening to him, the kingdom of God is made up of people like you. Everything you've ever been told, where you've been made to think that it's made of people who have the wealth and have twisted the system to suit them, Jesus stands up and he says, no, it's not. It's made up of people like you, which I think is quite good, but by the look on your faces, clearly not so good news. I think that's immense. It's absolutely immense. These are the people you make up the kingdom of God. Blessed. You're in. You're in. I'm going to ask Matt to come and read to us something else. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt. Um, just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus, re Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, greatly astonished, greatly astonished, added drama, <laughs> who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. Well done, Matt. Good improvisation. Marvellous. Thank you. Round of applause for Matt.
Um, so, so Jesus is basically saying, uh, the poor make up my kingdom. The kingdom is open to all people. And you thought because you were poor, you were excluded. But actually, in my kingdom, all are welcome. The poor are part of the kingdom of God. But there's something else. And I think this story really picks it up where Jesus encounters this rich guy. And for many of us in this room, I think there is a challenge in this story as well as a welcome that comes through the the, uh, telling of the Sermon on the Mount. So here's this very rich young man. He's known because rich people are always known, aren't they? Think about it. We know who the rich are, don't we? We publicize lists of them every year. We identify them. We try and approach them to give us more money if we work for charity. We know who the rich are. We parade them. We buy magazines with them in. We look at their lives and we aspire to the lives of the rich, don't we? Well, maybe some of us do, not others of us. So here's a rich man who comes to find Jesus. Now, even that very statement, he comes to find Jesus, tells you that there's something amiss in this guy's story. You only come and find someone who you think has got an answer because there's something not quite complete about your own experience of life. So here's a rich guy who seeks out Jesus with a question which has to be, is there more than this? Is there more than this? I have everything and yet, is there more? And he asks Jesus, this really deep question, what do I need to do to have eternal life? A common question that people would ask. How do I have this kind of incredible life where I feel fully alive? And Jesus says to him, have you, you know, keep the commandments, do all that. And the the young guy's like, yeah, we're in, I'm good. I can do all of those things. I keep the rules. And then Jesus says, you want to be perfect, you want to be perfect, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Now the word perfect means completeness. That's what it actually means. If you want to be complete, he challenges this guy, sell all you have and give it to the poor. It's not that there's anything wrong with the man's wealth. It's his relationship to his wealth that is wrong. And so he challenges him, sell all you have. If if you want to know life in all its fullness, then sell what you have and give it away. And then um, Jesus speaks to those who are listening to him, to his disciples, and says this, which is very well known, isn't it? Uh, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, a rich woman to enter the kingdom of God. But check out the disciples' response. They go, well, who then can be saved? Why? Because they've grown up, they're immersed in a culture which says, actually, the rich, that is evidence of the approval of God. They're the ones that are going to receive eternal life. So the disciples have been hanging around Jesus for a good two years at this point, And they haven't quite got it yet either. They still think 
oh, but wealth equals we are, you're in. And Jesus goes, no, no. The suggestion clearly is this, isn't it? That perfection, i.e. completeness, what we all desire, that question that every single one of us always has, is there more than this? Is there more than this? Jesus talks about the poor being blessed. He's not talking about people having stuff. He's not talking about, I really do need the latest iPhone, fancy car, big house, blah, blah, blah. He's not talking about that stuff. It's not that that stuff is bad in and of itself, but it will not bring the life that Jesus wants to bring to his followers. And the word that's used to describe blessed, if I can find it, is this, makarios, which literally means this, knowing the fullness of God in your life. Knowing the fullness of God in your life. It is not about having or being given stuff. It's about becoming a partaker in the fullness of the life that God wants to give us. There's a Banksy, you know Banksy, don't you? He tweeted this picture this week. It's fantastic, isn't it? Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. But I would add something uh, else to this. You can have everything and yet have nothing. And you can have nothing and actually have everything. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. That it isn't about the things that we have around us. It's actually about the fullness of the life that we have with God. That we are partakers in the fullness of who God is. That is the offer to us. So we're challenged. We're challenged by this. That life is not about the pursuit of wealth, actually. I'm, I'm rich in comparison to so many people. But if I think that that's what life is about, I'm missing the point of what Jesus is about. If you want to know fullness, if you want to know wholeness, it's not about those things. It's about holding those things lightly and using them for the benefit of everybody and everyone you encounter. Why? Because we're called to live deeper in this moment now. We're called to live more simply in this moment now and more wondrously in this moment now. There's a friend of mine who uh, uh, used to work on the streets as a prostitute. Um, she's a drug addict and I had the privilege of spending some time with her in London. Here is a person with nothing and we went around London and saw the sights and it was 
for me, like seeing London all over again with that person. Why? Because this person <laughs> who has nothing sees everything so brightly. Everything is a new encounter. Wow, look at that. Look, at, did you see that tree? Did you see the building? Did you see that those people walking down? Did you see? Did you see? She has nothing and yet sees everything. Maybe that's what Jesus was getting at. We're challenged that life isn't about what we grab to ourselves, but actually it's about finding the fullness, the joy and wonder in the life that God has given us. There's a, a rabbi, Rabbi Mir said this, lessen your work for worldly goods and be busy in the Torah, in the law, in the Jewish teaching. Be humble in spirit before all people. Do you know what? I realize that I adopt um, by stealth often kind of the values of the world that I'm a part of really easily. I think we all do if we're truth to, to, truthful about it. But if you think about the story of the prodigal son, you know the, the son who um, takes his inheritance from his father and uh, goes to a distant land and basically squanders all this wealth. So he, he, he has everything, absolutely everything. Surely he'd be happy, wouldn't he? If that's what it's all about. But it's in his realization that he has nothing that he discovers joy. Wow, that's profound, isn't it? It's in the realization that he has nothing that he discovers the joy that he so craves. It's on his return to his father with nothing. Fullness is what it means to be blessed. Fullness. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world but to forfeit, to lose his soul? We, uh, we're part of a culture, aren't we, where it's like, if I can just have this, achieve that, that next thing, that next thing, if I can own just that little bit more, or, and this applies to all of us. Jesus just wipes that away says that isn't what life's about. Life's about living deeply. Now, this moment. Greatest joy for me this morning, turning to little Josiah and seeing him smile, is worth a billion pounds. Do you get it? Do you see? The joy is in the things that cost nothing. Except we're part of a culture that says, if you just become like the people in the magazine, 
much do we interpret our own well-being through the lens of wealth and possession? Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds of the air. True wealth is always found in the simple things. It's in a meal with friends. It's in the smile of a little child. It's in looking up at night, even in London on a clear night, and seeing the stars that we forget are even there. It's in the walk that you take on the way to work. It's in the picture that you look at. So what are we chasing and why? Instead, let's store up treasure in heaven. Because as Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So many of us, we have unbelievable wealth. But that's not the ultimate goal, is it? And many of us who are wealthy, we're so generous and that's how we were meant to live. But let's remember that that's not what Jesus was saying when he said, oh, blessed are the, you know, instead, store up treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The good news, the good news for people is that everyone's in. Everyone. There's nothing we can do. We're in. The door's open to all. Everyone has a passport. It's not for some. We can't twist the system. It's not down to us. It's not about anything we do or don't do. It's not about anything we have or we don't have. We're in. That's the good news. But there's this challenge, isn't there, to live differently as well. To discover a different currency to live by. To live deeply now and to take Jesus at his word when he says, I am the way, the truth, 